1: Welcome to the podcast that takes a light-hearted look at lesser-known London stories with your own personal Blue Badge professional tourist guides.
0: She's Fiona. And she's Alex. And this is the Ladies in London podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Alex here. And Fiona. Hooray. Hooray. And Fiona. Somewhere new. Now, I I realize this makes very little difference to what you're
1: hearing in your (laughs) Lugholes listeners, but Fiona is somewhere new. Well, Well, new old. uh, Revised. Revised. I'm back at home in Forest Gate. Woo! Uh, Which is very exciting. Still slightly chaotic, still surrounded by boxes, and there's a lot of painting to do, but it's, yeah, Yeah. we're getting there.
0: It's good. Fabulous. (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah. And thank it,
1: you. It has gone
0: very cold this week. It's very, winter. Very cold.
1: Yeah, we're very we're cold. testing the heat pump. Woo-hoo. Uh but it's cozy. So but outside, yeah. very cold. Yeah,
0: I I love winter. I don't know I know a lot of people really don't, but I absolutely love the cold <laughs> weather.
1: Um
0: Yeah, it's gorgeous.
1: I like Happy. it. I like it when it gets crisp. That's good. Yeah. But when yeah. it gets bitter. I'm not. I'm not quite so keen on it. If yeah. you have to be out, you know, outdoors in for long periods of time, and it's j- 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 cold. You mean
0: guiding? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly that. <laughs> this yeah. is what we do for yeah. business. Literally our job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would well, you know? One of well, the we had snow I did... yesterday. I got
0: so excited.
1: <gasps> I know. On, one sorry. of my friends sent me a, a video. I didn't get snow, but they Stoke Newton Had snow as well.
0: I mean, it was. I don't, I mean, it, it was snow. It just lasted for approximately four minutes and you had to squint to see it. But, yeah, like, yeah. I'll take it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that counts. <laughs> One of the reasons I did the Blue Badge course was to hopefully spend slightly more time indoors because I thought, well, it'll open up, you know, Westminster Abbey and the museums and things and coaches. So oh, that's so funny. I did it to spend more time outdoors, so... <laughs>
0: somewhere Somewhere, somewhere along the line we've we've got we can meet in the porch
1: in the foyer of the national gallery you and me
0: (laughs) (laughs) just undercover slightly somewhere oh well anyway how are you this week are you all well
1: good yes yes um yeah you
0: went with this week last week (laughs) because life was a bit too busy but you know yeah that's okay. You managed to get Ollie con- confused with Lionel Richie over on the Instagram, which was very entertaining. So for those of you yes. who didn't see, I sent Fiona a picture, um, a couple of pictures to put on the blog. And um, one of them that Ollie kindly sent me was a picture of Lionel Richie uh, pouring tea in one of the, <laughs> the, the cab bench <laughs> shelters. And Fiona responded, is that Ollie? I didn't. I obviously don't remember him quite as well from when we did the Christmas episode. <laughs> I was like, "No, babe, that's well, Arnold Richie." Like, oh, you know, it's my first, he my first,
1: my first glance. I thought he looks familiar, and he looks like, from the way the picture is; it looks he looks like a sort of famous person. And I thought, "Oh, it's um, it's Dominic West, the actor." And I do it's not Dominic West, it's not him. And then I thought, oh, "Well, maybe is it? Maybe it's not a famous person. Maybe it's not." I just you know, I'm not good names and faces. Oh goodness, I, I can't I can't put them together. I, I know a face looks familiar, so but funny. I cannot attach a name to it. So, uh, you know, there you go.
0: Ollie's been upgraded to Lionel Richie. There we go. <laughs>
1: no, I, Actually, no, sorry, what, didn't mean
0: upgrade. F- Maybe downgraded. Ollie's better, obviously. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, my favourite thing in, in uh, the podcast, uh, he said, when they were t- we were talking about the knowledge and knowing every street, mm. and he said, yeah, every street is important for the people who live there. And that, like, yeah, every street is banner. Well. And I thought, oh, that's such a good phrase. And I kind of feel like if we all remembered that more, the world would be a better place. And how? Yeah. Yeah. So. So
0: right now. But it I. Also feels like um, it's on yeah, side, isn't it at the moment?
1: Sorry, I sorry I missed it because it was um, there was lots of good stuff I didn't know in there. But also, I just have such respect mm. for cabbies, you know. Um, oh, and, I know. Um, one of the lovely things about doing tutoring on the Westminster course is we quite often have cabbies amongst the students, and they are, they they bring a different level of knowledge a different type of knowledge about london so that it's it's really useful um to have them kind of in our in our cohort if you like but um one of them was saying one point that they always have nicknames oh right um there was a, a court case where there was a cab driver was giving evidence about something and the one of the, the the barrister was kind of saying to him. Now I I understand all cab drivers have nicknames, and he was being a bit. He was like, well, yeah, yeah. And they said, well, what what's your nickname? Can you tell us? He was like, well, I I, uh, I don't see it's relevant, whatever. And uh, the judge kind of went, well, is this is this relevant? And the barrister said, I think I think you will find it relevant, my lord. <laughs> and so eventually they said, so what's what's your nickname? He said, well, I'm I'm known as Jake the Fib. <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
0: Imagine that on your on your cab as people got in. Shake <laughs> the fib. That's amazing. I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't. We we should have asked Ollie what his name was. I didn't. Ollie, what's your what's your, what's cabbie, your cabbie nickname? Yeah. Keeping that under your, under your yeah.
1: hat. And fib. I don't know if that translates across the Atlantic. Just um, lying, fibbing, lying. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like little white lies. Not that to yeah. Nothing to yeah, uh, but it
1: sort of dramatic, somehow implies yeah. perpetual lying. As yes, well. it does. Yeah, somehow, if it's particularly if it's your nickname, so yeah, <laughs> yeah that's but... fantastic. Oh my goodness, <laughs>
0: um, you had a story that you wanted to tell about the National Portrait Gallery as well, didn't you?
1: Ah, yes. So um, I was chatting to a friend of mine um, who was a microbiologist, and so we were talking about. A bit about penicillin and things and then she was saying that at one point she organized a tour of the National Portrait Gallery for people from her work uh, thing and so they they got back in touch with her and they said oh um anything particularly you want to see and oh we noticed that Professor chain is on the list of like on your email and things is he, is he any relation to Ernst chain because because we've got a picture of him but it's not on display at the moment so we can uh... you know if it's relevant we'll get it out and so my friend went back and went, are you, are you related? He said, oh, yeah, that's my dad. Wow. <laughs> so they went round, yeah, and they went round and, you know, they did a tour of the gallery with only, she said, like five or six paintings, but they'd got, they'd, they'd chosen the right ones and things. And I just thought, how another reason to love the National oh Portrait goodness, Gallery, yeah. that they will curate a tour, especially for the people who are coming in, you know, and get stuff out of storage as well. Well, Sorry. it's funny you say that because when good, I went the other week,
0: I was having a little wander around and I um, I, I put some stuff on, on Instagram because I was so excited about the number of people that I found who we had had on the podcast. I thought I had on the podcast. Talked about on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> that would be very weird. Like, yeah. here are all the yeah, guests yeah. from the Ladies in London podcast. Um, But, yeah, all the people that we talked about. And a lot of them were people that are really obscure or, or that, uh, I guess – Aren't your kind of traditional See? straight white male type you're, thing? You're, there was Sarah Forbes Bonetta. you are the zeitgeist. I know, right? This, we're, we're in it, babe. We're in it. <laughs> uh, so, like, Sarah Forbes Bonetta, yeah. who else did we have? Um, well, it was
1: there that I saw about the penicillin girls, actually. So that's what made me pick them. Yes. And I noticed the other day, I, I didn't notice them, actually, I must admit, but I did notice Ernst Chain is up. Right. Now. Oh, is he? And I forgot to take a photo. I was going to take a photo of the photo, fo- you know, photo of the picture of the penicillin girls, and I failed. Oh, okay, well, well, have a little uh, wander back, but yeah, there was a whole
0: heap of people, and I can't remember any of them now, of course. But um, uh I mean, there was, a, I think it was Beatrix Potter there, like so many people, I and mean, obviously she's a bit more mainstream, but um, so many people that we'd spoken about, and I was just in this little excited bubble, just running around going, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" It was so funny. <laughs> but on that note, that you said that they will get stuff out of storage, I went to speak to one of the ladies, and I said, um do you have anything, uh, any portraits of Angela burdett Coots? Because I feel like you do, but I can't, or is she anywhere? And she got her yeah. little iPad out because obviously they've got a massive collection, so they can't know every single piece. And she, she, put, she put her in and it came up with, I don't know, six or seven portraits. And she said, none of them are on show at the minute, but if you want to see yep. them, you can request to see them and we'll get them out for you. So exactly the same thing. And I just thought ah, that was so okay. lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah. he doesn't want Angela Burdett-Coutts in the National Portrait Gallery. She's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that, yeah, I just thought it was so lovely that she was very happy to um, to just, yeah, haul stuff out of storage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose that, I mean, that's part of their remit. They're, they, they're a national institution yeah. set up to celebrate, commemorate people. So it makes sense yeah. that the stuff that isn't on display should still be accessible. Exactly. So that's, that's good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Stuff the Beatles. We want Angela Burdick. Excellent.
1: Um, right. Anything from yes. our listeners before we plunge headfirst into the podcast? Yes. Yes. Exciting news. And Veronica, I'm, I uh, I, I read this while I was somewhere where I, I didn't have time to reply. And um, so might not have got back to you yet. But Veronica, her subject is Obsess, <laughs> in capital letters. With, with what? And she says... Well, we shall see. She says, greetings from the States. Just wanted to get in touch to tell you how absolutely obsessed I am with your podcast. I've been listening for a year and it's literally the only podcast I listen to. I'm far behind, but fast approaching the uh, hundredth episode. And I'm so psyched to see what you have in store for it. (laughs) Your podcast this is the big news. Has helped helped inspire me to make the move from LA to London. No, oh Veronica, welcome to the yeah. fold. <laughs> she says I'm a dual citizen and I should be there in January.
0: So, oh, Veronica, well, congratulations welcome. and welcome to I mean, a, what will be a very very cold and dark London. But yes, bring it on.
1: Yeah, so, that's so exciting. Um,
0: well done. That's uh, life changing. Yeah, and and uh, uh, apologies if it you know
1: <laughs> if it's not everything you hoped. <laughs> Goodness me. Slightly worrying. I mean, you know, there's there's other there's other inputs. I'm sure Veronica knows lots about London that she hasn't got from us. But if if your sole sure. view of London was based on us, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think it was a life of crime and uh... <laughs> odd place, yeah. <laughs> poverty
0: and and weird people and murderers and like oh goodness me anyway yeah uh yeah right well fantastic thanks veronica how exciting um lovely well shall we head into the podcast now i should actually mention so um veronica did say she's barreling towards the 100th episode um last week completely sort of unrecognized by us until i went oh hang on was our 150th episode Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. We've done nothing special for it because I think we've been so <laughs> other, otherwise uh, detained this year. Um, uh, but we should do something. Well, next week is our Christmas episode. Yeah. Or oh, two weeks' time is our Christmas episode yes. that we're having a guest on for. So maybe we will do something 150th for
1: that. Let's see. Um, if you miss a 50th birthday, then it always seems to me you could always celebrate fifty-one, which is a prime number. Well, this is this There's is fifty-one, a prime number. The... What? Oh, this is fifty-one. Okay, so that would be next would be one hundred and fifty-two. Yeah. Well, this is the prime episode then. <laughs> if, if it's a prime number, it probably is. I can't think yeah, it it must be. Top of it off my head. No, it must must, be. Must... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll go with that. Um, must be. I mean, anyway, well, uh, there's something something like 17 that might go into it. Well, let's go into our prime episode then. Let's do it. Let's, yes, jump right (laughs) in. So, um, and I kind of thought, as I'm back in East London, I should find something East London based. And then I did a bit of research and then several tangents later.
0: That's unlike you. That's very off brand. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Who'd have thought? Um, So I'm going to start with a question for you, which is, do you Mm -hmm. know? Who no. is the only? No, okay. The only non-military organization to march past the cenotaph and lay a wreath on Remembrance Ooh, Day. Mm, now that is a very good <coughs> uh, question. And I have to caveat this slightly. Say this: they were the only one about. Certainly, about six or seven years ago, they were the only one. It may be someone's popped up recently, but for a long time they've been the only non military
0: um, well i mean i was, was I, a... I would probably go for something like the black cab drivers but i guess since we did that last week i can't imagine you'd be going back there again so let's think about Close, oh, really? it you're
1: on the right lines yeah not yeah, the pedicab
0: cab yeah. drivers
1: no, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <It's> cycling past <laughs> 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 mama mia <laughs>
0: <laughs> no um,
1: Got them i'm close Broad, broaden out it, something... it was it was a privilege granted in 1922 by george V for keeping london functioning during world war one it's not like tfl or something it is absolutely oh, transport, for TfL. London. transport for london um who uh have an old comrades association oh. so transport workers old comrades is actually the the people who who march and do the do the wreath um but TfL is the modern version of uh, the London Passenger Transport Board, which was created in 1933, Mm -hmm. that catchy name that very quickly became London Transport. Um, So they didn't exist in 1922. So who actually got given that privilege? It was the London General Omnibus Company. Ah. Now, I should say, you're a big transport fan,
0: aren't you? You came on before you were a co-host to do to do the tubes and
1: things yes and i do yeah and it's weird i don't know why it is but i do find this strangely moving the idea that uh the transport people also march past the cenotaph has always i've just it's one of those weird things where it suddenly it sort of gets to you you think why why Hmm. is that the thing that i find so touching but i always have um and it's it's kind of a story in two parts today in a way. So I think what a lot of people will know is that lots of, during the first world war, lots of men signed up to go away and fight from all sorts of different industries, including the buses and things Mm. and that women stepped up to kind of fill their, fill their roles in a way. Um, But there is a sort of a little bit more detail to the story than that. So, um, the, who are the General, first of all? The General, uh, London General Omnibus Company, always just known as the General, are the biggest bus company in London at that time by a long, long way. They were founded in 1855 and they amalgamated and bought up lots of little small independent bus uh, companies and things. And very quickly, they were running about 600 of the 800 buses that we had in London in the 1850s. Wow. Um, so, a proper little, monopoly. Proper big, yeah. Um, just as an aside, how many how many buses do you think we have in London nowadays? <gasps> oh, my God. I, I, um, okay. I had to go away and look this up.
0: Um, can we figure this out logically? Right, well, on my bus route, <laughs> <there> are... <laughs> I, have, I have a local bus driver who's incredibly friendly and very sweet. I love it when I see him. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 10,000.
1: Yeah, that's about the right, yeah, oh, really? about eight, yeah, eight and a half thousand. Oh, so right. slightly over, but that's that's the right ballpark. So, you know, 10 times as many as we had in 1850-something. Um, and um, the General also as a company, about 1912, they merged with one of the underground companies, the biggest of the underground companies. They kind of joined together, so they're starting to put a kind of integrated system together and things. So they're, they're you know by far and away the biggest bus company. Um, and it's not just the the men who go away to fight in France. It's also the buses, because a lot of the buses were oh, requisitioned really? to go as troop transport uh, to Europe. And oh, my goodness. you'd kind of think that they would be painted green or khaki or camouflage. <laughs> you know, you can imagine a bus oh. at the, like if it's being used by the military, it's going to be, appropriately dressed isn't it not so we went in there all guns blazing with bright red buses we did oh my goodness we did so eventually they were painted but when they first set off quite a lot of them just went in their standard livery so you might be getting a troop making yourself a target right well absolutely and also so the buses back then are um the livery was red and white (coughs) so um a bit more mixed than nowadays, but also with a lot more advertising on it. So in a way, okay. it's a lot of delivery, you know, it's not quite so obviously a bright red bus because it's covered in uh, a lot of advertising. And they always strike me as being a lot more delicate than our modern double-decker buses. Um, so it's the B-type bus that we're talking about. And it has, it still has a kind of proper engine at the front, like an old-fashioned car, you know, under a, a you know a definite bonnet at the front. Mm-hmm. The driver is sitting in a fairly kind of almost open air cab, kind of also at the front, and then it is double decker, but it's open topped uh, above. Oh, those ones okay. And it's got at the back lovely kind of staircase that kind of diagonally goes across the back, so it kind of curves around nicely. But open air staircase at the back, yeah. And quite small wheels, big mud flaps, but you know it. it, You can see the suspension and kind of it looks like a sort of much more like a, a car old-fashioned car. That could not have
0: been expanded. comfortable travelling all the way to France or Belgium in that.
1: Well I don't know I, I think it might have been really? more comfortable than some of the, uh, the the well maybe not compared to modern vehicles but more comforting I'm going to say um, because there was okay. one guy mm. who he was in the London Scottish Regiment and he was taken off to France or whatever, he went to Ypres and he went in the same bus with the same driver who had taken him to work every day no. before the war. Yeah. So and they oh, went that's and, delightful. you know, it, it would still say the number 73 to Stoke Newington on the front as it trolleyed around France and, and and Belgium for a while before they got oh, repainted. Yes and i I think if you're if you're setting off to the unknown to go and fight and you're not a professional soldier, you've probably had you know basic training and you know you're being thrown in somewhat at the deep end, going off to something completely unfamiliar and uncertain and unsafe that actually to be going there in a vehicle which is familiar mm. must must have been a nicer thing to do um. Yeah. And I, a few years ago, I was at the London Transport Museum where they have some buses you can get on and off and things. And I was getting off one of the old route masters and I put my hand on the pole just by the door. And it was like a sort of surge of memory coming from my hand because they had different patterns on the pole. And the modern ones have kind of diamond indentations. And things, But the old fashioned ones, the ones that I grew up with, had sort of horizontal bits of ribbed plastic and i didn't it wasn't i thought about it consciously but i put my hand on the pole and i was like whoa this takes me back like a little sucked into a time machine from my hand and you just think about okay they were going you know they'd they'd be carrying their rifles and their backpacks and their you know different uniforms and things but they'd be Mm. walking up the steps that are familiar they'd be holding the familiar handrails with their hands and um it's it's a vehicle that's not designed purely for going to war. Like if the army designed a bus to carry troops, they would design it a certain way and you'd think it would be quite functional. Whereas this is a London bus that's designed partly for comfort. And that that must have been a nicer thing,
0: I think. Yeah, I guess. Maybe yeah, maybe I'm doing them down. Maybe it was the most comfortable option for getting over to France <laughs> or Belgium. <laughs>
1: Um, And some of them, some of them stayed as buses, most of them, Um, but some of them were stripped down to use for other things. So um, some, they took off the top and just used the the base as a mobile gun platform. Um, One of them, at least one became a pigeon loft um, for the the carrier pigeons. Very important for the for the messages and things. Um, So 900 buses went off uh, to France, which is about. Almost a quarter of the general bus fleet, or London's bus fleet, actually. I think, yeah, nine hundred buses tootling off to, to war. That's a considerable um, amount of of, of the fleet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so back then, actually, it was it was there was about three and a, three thousand something buses on the streets of London before the war, and mm-hmm. nearly a thousand of them go. And so, I'm going
0: to I'm going to ask the question.
1: How many of them came back? Well, not all of them. Um, There is a slightly heartbreaking photo of one of them. And it's, um, you've got a tree in the foreground of the photo. And then in the background, several other kind of stumps of trees. Sort of, you know, the the kind of burnt out tree, like the remains of tree stumps. Mm. And you've got kind of misty, you can't see anything in the far distance. The ground is all kind of pot marked and things. And then... In the middle of the photo, but a little bit away from us, there is the burnt-out shell of a bus, and it's tilted half over in kind of half into a crater, and it was it was wrecked um, less than two weeks after it set off from the Wilsdon bus garage.
0: Oh, that's really heartbreaking. Think, oh. Right, so hang on.
1: I'm wondering now why they made
0: a film called War Horse and not War Bus, because War frankly, bus. I you am all I mean? here for, uh, you and know, a, a guy who, who goes over to, <laughs> to France to find his local number seven
1: bus. I tell you what, I mean, there would be a film. I'm sure there's a there's a lovely heartbreaking, <laughs> uh, heartwarming film in this about buses. Um, but So that particular one, it was near a place called St. Eloy, which is just south of Ypres. Mm. And um, because the bus got wrecked there and just abandoned and left by the road, there was a nearby cafe that became known as the Bus House, or at least that was, it was called by the troops. They knew it as the Bus House. And um, in 1917, when they had to set up a cemetery nearby, it became known as the Bus House Cemetery. Oh, wow. So this bus has given its name to the cemetery. And then, sadly, they also had to add to the cemetery in 1940 because mm. when the troops were coming back retreating back towards Dunkirk, there was more fighting uh, nearby. So it's now home to 216 First World War graves and 79 uh, from the Second World War. But it is uh, the Bus House Cemetery. I've just looked it up on Google Maps. And there it is. Bus House Cemetery. Yeah. Wow. Oh,
0: my goodness. That is... Goodness me! Right near a place
1: called what? What did you say the the town was called? Saint Saint I don't know pronouncing ah. that right. Saint Eloi. Eloi. El, el, I would say Eloy, yeah. because it, you know, it's it's
0: it's um Flemish. Yes, there's lots of uh yeah Dutch names around there. Goodness me! Yeah, that is. I mean, it's amazing. I
1: love it. But, but amazing, of the ones that me. did come back, some of them. Became kind of uh, celebrity buses, let's say, or one one in particular. <laughs> so I should say, yeah, if you want to go and see any of these buses while you're in London, um, two places, two museums have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the London Transport Museum, not surprisingly, in Covent Garden, fabulous museum, and the equally fabulous uh, Imperial War Museum, and the one that oh, the Imperial. They've got one. I think. I think it's on display. I think I've certainly seen it, but I don't know if it's on display at the moment. But it has been at some right. point. Um, technically, it's called. Well, they get B-43 it out of archive like they do
0: for the National? If you want to, <laughs> come on, try <drive> it out. <laughs> you just yeah, <laughs> have it <laughs> down the road. Here it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the London Transport Museum one. They did a big. A few years ago, a big fundraising thing, and they restored it back to something or other. But it it went. Um, it did the London to Brighton rally in two thousand six. Oh, wow. So I think theirs at least is is in good working order. As they were. Um, but the Imperial War Museum one, B forty three, but better known as Old Bill. Ah, oh, hi, Old Bill. Old Bill is a a reference to a a cartoon. Um, there was a cartoonist called Bruce Ben's father in the First World War who did this character who had big walrus moustache and um, it's old. I think it's not old as in old. I think it's as in whole because there's a particularly famous what? cartoon about them. Two, two guys kind of sheltering <laughs> in a small crater like a little ditch. And he says to the other guy, well, if you know a better role, you go to it oh i so see it's it's old bill cuz he scrambles around old in bill. the owls i think bill in the but, owl and i suspect even if you don't know his name and things that quite a lot of people if you saw a picture of old bill most people would go oh yeah i know him he's a very kind of oh, really character face in a way yeah <laughs> anyway the boss uh, made in Stowe just around the corner. So that's my my slight, one of my slight East End tangents Um, in 1911. And it ran mostly on the 25 route or the number eight routes. Um, And then it was bought up by the war office and it spent five years as a troop carrier um, in Europe, but it comes back and is bought back by the general company and repainted and goes back into service on the streets of London. And then in 1920, on Valentine's Day, 1920, 14th of February, goes on a special outing.
0: Oh. It goes
1: to Buckingham Palace. Right. And is inspected by George V. And it is the <laughs> first first time he has ever got on a bus. And he gets on to old Bill. And,
0: uh, I love I, the idea of him inspecting a bus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 what I really hope is they drove it round the courtyard. <laughs> yeah. Let me have a go, ding ding. You know, <laughs> surely that's what you want to Tickets, do. Tickets, please. Yes, exactly. Oh my goodness, that's legendary. Then, so then, two years later, he gives he gives General uh, Company the, um, the the permission to march in the in the march pass. So you think, oh well, he must have enjoyed his time on the bus. And actually, uh, one and a half thousand transport workers died in World War One, and. Blimey. I think quite a lot of them were because the, the buses that went, a lot of the drivers went with them. So they were hmm. tootling back and forwards and things. Um,
0: do we, so, Now, okay, I'm going to ask the question, and you probably don't know, but I'm going to ask it anyway. The, the story that you told about the chap getting on the troop carrier and seeing his
1: yeah. bus driver, do we yeah. know if that bus driver made it back? Um, I don't know. Oh. No, no. That was very much a tangent off on something else. So, um, no, we don't know. Oh story remain unanswered. Yeah. At least for now. Yeah. So that's that was what was happening to some of the buses. What was happening to the rest of the buses that were here? Well, because uh, more men had gone off to fight than were just going as drivers and things with the buses. So by February 1915, 21% of the men employed in London's buses and trams had gone off, uh, joined the armed, service, uh, armed forces. Goodness me. And so there's a huge shortfall and eventually, and you kind of think, why did it take them so long to think about, you know, from our point of view, it's it's obvious, employ women. But <laughs> back then they were like, oh, no, you can't let the women do the job. Oh, no, 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 So
0: eventually. Coming over here and being organised and sorting stuff out. No, <laughs> can't have that.
1: Being nice and friendly to people. Oh, heavens <laughs> no.
0: Not starting fights.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and actually, it wasn't London. wasn't the first. Glasgow had female bus condu- conductorettes, uh, conductorettes.
0: Conductorettes. Oh my god! I mean, I love it and I hate it in equal measure.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, and I think another couple of other cities as well. So we were a little bit behind, actually. And it wasn't the general that did it first. It was a company called Tilling, Thomas Tilling, um, who employed Mrs. G. Duncan. And she started in November 1915 and she was on the 37 bus route.
0: Yes, Mrs. G Duncan. Go on, get it, you bad woman. Yeah. Not bad woman, you know what I
1: mean. And then general starts as well. And by, by the end of 1916, there are 2,000 uh, female conductorettes uh, or conductoresses, or as we generally know them, clippies. So because they clipped the tickets. And that is weird this because surely the male bus conductors also clipped tickets. But it is a name that does seem particularly associated with the female uh, conductors. Yeah, but you know,
0: the the with with the men they're not gonna give them a nice cute name like clippies, are they gonna be like punches? Yeah. Or
1: something like
0: that.
1: (laughs) And there's there's um Oh, there's a name as oh yeah. So also lions house, uh, lions tea shops, corner house tea shops, things. They have a lot of female waitresses, and that's about the same sort of era. And they're known as nippies because they're nippy around the table. So I think maybe there's some clippy and nippy. They kind of both evolve about the same time. What other what other names did they give
0: people? Like did they have I don't know, burlesque dancers called strippies? Strippies. (laughs) <laughs> you know. uh, we, could, we could extend yeah. this out. The, the, we, I, could, I, we could. I, My I mind's gone like blank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all I came up with.
1: Now I'm just trying no. to think tour guides, if we point at things, it, it, it doesn't really, there isn't an, no, hippies, no, yeah. no. Anyway, um, <laughs> so you had to be, well, and also, so 2,000, but out of 20,000 who applied. For the job. So this was a popular thing. It was one in ten. Oh wow! Got yeah. accepted. Um, you had to be between twenty one and thirty five, and mm-hmm. had to be over five foot tall. Oh, Katie Wiggle! I'm really sorry. You're out. <laughs> You're out. And it was quite tough. So they had to. This is um, uh, quoting the, the the key points they had to do to get through the training. So they had to undergo a medical and take an arithmetic test to ensure they could calculate the fares and give the correct change. If successful, the applicants proceeded to a two-week training course. Training took place both in the classroom, where they would learn details of London's key points of interest. Fantastic. Interestingly. um, (laughs) Sounds familiar. (laughs) Yes, and on the street on learners' buses
0: great
1: uh there was also a purpose-built cinema that played safety instruction films and Amazing. guidance on being a good conductor and then training concluded with an oral and a written examination
0: goodness so, me
1: it's full on yeah stuff. ollie and the on the knowledge eat your heart out man yeah um
0: the women had to do two weeks two staying... weeks <laughs>
1: Stuff for four years. They <laughs> got it done quickly, <laughs> and they did. They did get special uniforms, which is nice because, I mean, in a way, at the moment, there's lots of stuff about women doing jobs where they're wearing uniforms. Basically, the men's uniform has been slightly adapted, um, mm-hmm. and it doesn't fit very well, and it's not fit for purpose, and things like that. So, actually, it's reassuring to think, oh no, they had they had proper designed uniforms i don't know actually how well they fitted but they were nice you know definitely ladies jackets and yeah. then full length you know ankle length skirts uh, which might not have been the most practical and some of them did hitch their skirts up to you make them you don't easier. want
0: to have to titillate the passengers doing their carbs by showing an ankle well,
1: <laughs> well so um there was a mixture of um Acceptance and reluctance mm. to accept the women, not surprisingly, from uh, some of the but well, from society and also from the people they were working with and the male, you know, and and the women, yeah. So, um, uh, by by at one point, 90% of the conductors are women towards the end of the war, wow, but mostly just conductors that there, there's um. I don't think any became drivers. I don't think there might be one or two um, Some were employed in depots doing kind of cleaning and maintenance and things like that. But it wasn't like the heavy engineering kind of jobs were still men. So there's a, there's a hardcore of, of male reserve jobs, like driving, obviously, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the conductorettes, uh, mostly women, Um and well, oh yes yeah, so there is a there's a postcard that i saw which has um it's a it's a, a conductorette standing on the back of the platform at the bus facing us facing out from the bus and behind her you can see two gentlemen's heads kind of popping round the corner kind of looking out um gray-haired moustached gentleman of a of a sort of mature age and she is dressed and and like her her uniform has been exaggerated so it's incredibly sort of slinky and the skirt is cut at a bit of an angle and she's glamorous yeah. and things and the caption underneath says if you want to get off ring the bell but be double no I'm, I think it's ring the bell, not ring her bell, but it's kind of, it, I mean, it could be either, in oh, a way, the implications
0: so, so
1: gross. Yeah. Yeah. So, Why? you know, not surprisingly, there was some some people unhappy uh, with this situation, but kind of, it, it, it you know, it had to be, because there was no other way to keep London functioning and keeping the buses running. So, I think it was sort of more accepted than it, because of the circumstances, it Enabled it to That's happen. Good of them. Accept it because so, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, also underground and trams and things also employed women. and Maid of Ale station opened in 1915, entirely staffed by women. Ah. hurrah for Maid of Ale, I'm going to say. Well
0: done.
1: Um, and they were paid, kind of. Well, so one of the reasons why. <laughs> Not I think well. Why I'm assuming. <laughs> Well, yeah so we'll come back to that but they it it was not bad pay um and compared to the other jobs that they might have left to go to do it like quite a few people went from being a shop assistant and things like that and this job is so much more personal freedom than that shop assistants back then very often lived in house in accommodation they're doing really long hours it's all very kind of you know under the umbrella of the shop organization Mm. and things so so this was way more um attractive in terms of the hours you worked and you know what you could do um and and decent money but surprise surprise not quite the same amount of money as the men yeah um i was expecting obviously nothing less. so um but the problems come in uh 1918 when there is a proposal to pay the men a five shilling a week war bonus oh and this does not go down now well with the ladies what, what's the thinking um, behind that I don't know I don't know it's not clear that from what I've read I couldn't quite work out whether it was I mean they could have said okay we're going to pay the drivers a five shilling pound a week difference and then you could argue well that's a driver's role as opposed to a conductorette so it's a different role or something but I it it seems like it was just literally we're going to pay the men five shillings Mm, (laughs) and exactly now you're kind of like well in what way would that ever make sense yeah, I'm just sort of. Us, I'm just
0: but, uh, like I, I. Almost, when they're sort of saying it's a war bonus, it's almost like they're saying that the women working aren't kind of at war as well. You, you I, I'd almost have more um, respect for them if they just came out and said we're paying a, a, a male bonus, you know? Yeah, but it's very odd to say a war bonus when clearly everyone is doing the same thing is, in a it's, war. It's is not
1: all like, at war. Yeah, not like the
0: front of the bus is at war, and the back end isn't. Yes, yeah, it, no.
1: Exactly. and also it's in it's 1918 it's like that's a long time into I mean it's, you know the war's mm. nearly over so it's it's odd so uh, yeah I don't know precisely the logic mm, of no. that maybe maybe it's kind of the end is in sight and we think we can do this now I, I don't know um who can say who can say but the women in the Wilsdon garage say no. We're not having this. Yeah. Um, they have a meeting, and it's intriguing. Most of the reports I've read about it say that they have this meeting and then they go on strike the next day. And they don't they don't inform the management, they don't inform the union, they just have a meeting and decide and go on strike straight away. But has to be said, there was a letter in the Times by sent in by Millicent Fawcett.
0: Love unless, her
1: supporting the strike. And correcting the records to say that actually the women did give the management notice of their grievances in advance and they did say what they intended to do. So okay. it's intriguing that if that's there, that most of the kind of reports of this are slightly, uh, you know, wrong and haven't been corrected. It, it feels like, yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so they... You know,
0: I guess these reports often. I mean, if we think back to oh, Donkeys years ago now, where we talked about Waterloo Bridge being um, built by women, and there yeah. was literally no evidence of that until about five, six, seven years ago, yeah. when they unearthed pictures. Yeah. And it's it, you know, and you think it's a massive bit of infrastructure. That and, the, and, and it was would... it was like a rumor that women had built it, but there was no evidence until they found yeah. these photos in the archive. So I, that doesn't surprise me, because yeah.
1: No, but it sounds like it was reported at the time that these women have gone on strike without blah, blah. And then that's that story is just run and run.
0: Yeah, because... So. Well, I mean, I think, if you think about it as well, in the, at, the, at the time, women didn't even have the vote. Um, no. And it was their, a lot of it was their work in the First World War that allowed them to get the vote so I suppose you've also probably got a lot of pushback about people going oh they're going to want the vote next and of course the suffragettes were around doing their thing so I guess they're going to sort of any evidence that that is there to support that if you don't want that to be the case. Yeah. Then you're and you're going to And you can say
1: they're being emotional and, and emotional yeah. and stroppy and they haven't given the management chance yeah, to reply, and blah, know, blah blah blah. So it's all exactly the Narrative of you can that. weave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um evaluate so, your sources <laughs> <laughs> classic historian thing. Um so they they seventeenth of August they're on strike the next day, uh after this meeting and they are joined that day by um Hackney Uh, no hang on um yeah hackney and holloway garages also go out um archway and acton i love this this is the most alliterative strike there's ever been so um on the 23rd uh hastings join in so we've got hackney holloway and hastings on strike um also bath bristol and birmingham amazing i love this (laughs) and south end and south wales fantastic as well so it's it's kind of like it, it, it snowballs really quickly and it becomes a national strike and it starts to also affect people on um, in sort of munitions factories and things. So women are, are going out on strike in all sorts of areas and eventually it is 18,000 of the 27,000 women who are working in transport. I think that's across Britain, not just London. Um, Good for them. But, um yeah. And, and some of the tube workers joined in. So the Bakerloo line uh, joined in. Um, alliterative again. And beautifully alliterative. They, uh, they are saying same work, same pay. Basic, you know, and, straightforward. And did it work? So they, they settle on the 25th. So it doesn't last. It's about a week later. And they get the five shillings. Good. But they don't get a sort of general agreement to the concept of equal pay. Right. So they do get the practical Something. thing, the thing that they wanted right then, and the thing that kicked it off. They get, yeah, but no, no sort of concession on the the principle of it, which is you know, so st- yeah, still not a thing. So it's, it's it's understandable. Yeah, um, and it struck me. I mean, it seems really weird because you know the same work, same pay. That's that was what the the match girls mm. were kind of after, and it's what the women in Dagenham in ford were after years later and things and both of those are really quite well documented and we've had you know, films about them things like that and but do you
0: know what the Dagenham strikes is on my list of ones i want to talk about
1: is it yeah. oh excellent yeah. there we go so that's good we can join them year. all up but um this one i i didn't know anything about it until like it was a random comment in something else that i was reading that i kind of was like oh hackney bus strike oh, what's that about 1918 oh i don't know about that and then you know i think this it doesn't seem as well known as it, as it should be in the history of certainly of, of strikes, but also particularly women's strikes. Um, and I suspect it was settled quickly because during the war, you know, you can't, you can't have the buses on strike and also the munitions factories. You mm. you can't really have them on strike. So it must've been a moment when there's quite a lot of leverage um, to, to, to get a sort of concession from people. Yeah. Goodness. So, so so that's August 1918. And in November, obviously, we have the armistice and we get soldiers starting to return home. And by then, the general company is employing uh, lots of different figures. I've seen somewhere between three and a half, four and a half thousand women on their buses. How many do you think were still working on the buses, let's say, one year later?
0: Oh it's either going to be almost all of them or almost none of them. Which way am I going? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for almost none of them.
1: Yeah. None. Yeah. None. None so them. La- the last one to finish finished on the 19th of November, 1919. So it's just over one year later. And Blimey. they get letters saying, I'm sorry to say that basically it literally says that now that the soldiers are, men are returning home, you won't be, your services won't be needed anymore and that's that mm. and so the last one to go was Ellen Bulford and she had joined up really early on uh, in, as uh, uh, as you could so she started in March 1916 and she spent three and a half years um, on her bus she traveled 70,000 miles wow on her bus probably um, from Muswell Hill to Turnpike Lane <laughs> And back. <laughs> and back. <laughs> and oh. back again. Oh, Ellen, you legend. <laughs> um, and she, there's a nice photo of her kind of handing over, like she's standing on the pavement and there's a male conductor on the back of the platform of the bus and they're shaking hands and it's the the last clip he says farewell, Goodness you know, me. finishes. But you kind of think, well, was she really happy to join yeah, in that photo? Yeah, a, a I mean, she doesn't, right there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can't, you can't really see so much of her face to really kind of judge. Imagine um, how tight that grip of the hand is. like. Yeah. And there was a party. Uh, they got given a farewell social gathering. Oh, how nice of them. Which is lovely. On the 22nd of October in 1919. And this is what caught my eye in a way as well. Um, it was at the People's Palace in Mile End, oh. which is where the concert not so long ago for the Match Girls Um, Is that where that was? That's where that was. Fabulous. Um, So again, bringing us round, sort of slightly full circle, joining the joining the dots up. Um, And that was it. That was it. There were no more women working on the buses until Second World War. Second World War. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a theme here, isn't there?
1: <laughs> we'll just step in when you need us. Yeah, right. but there's We'll no be over here. <laughs> Hang on. We'll just, you know, we'll wait. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's uh, as, a, as a sort of social movement, it was a hugely, a um, huge change to, to have women doing those kind of jobs. And yet, and, and it has a long-term effect, like you mentioned with the vote and things like that, that, that you know, it does have an effect. But it, in terms of those particular jobs, they just evaporate again immediately mm. after the war and, and don't come back for another 20 years. And then, um, and actually I was going to look up and I didn't get around to it, when, like, after the Second World War, the same thing kind of happens again. So you don't get the first kind of women working on the buses in peacetime until quite a bit later, Um so it's a weird, weird little bubble of history. Yeah, which is an intriguing. So
0: when, when, thing. when did women start to work on the buses again? like in, in, like you say, in peacetime, in, in their own kind of right, rather that's than just being shipped in.
1: Precisely what I forgot to look up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have an image of um of a lady on a tr- no. So it's a train driver. That's what I'm thinking of. There is Margaret Dodds was the first train driver, I think, on the Underground, and I think she's 60s wow 1960s I think I don't know so buses Um, might have come in a bit earlier than
0: that because of course I suppose they've already you know they're they're already um I guess uh desensitized to women working on a on a formal transport by then so they could probably do that so should we say 50s let's say 50s or we could just leave it vague
1: all right, leave it there. At some point,
0: no women work <laughs> on point, buses we'll come back to ever, it. even now. Ever
1: again. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, and actually also yeah. on, my, on my underground tour a few years ago, there was a lovely lady who came on it who was, she has her photo in the London Transport Museum. So there's a point oh. in the tour where I go, do you know the London Transport Museum? And she said, yeah, I'm in it. And I was like, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> and she was the first bus engineer in the garage, oh, wow. uh, female bus engineer and i also can't remember the days but that was like 80s oh my so goodness. M- you know now uh, i like... assume
0: you took her details and, and <laughs> plumbed her for information right um yeah yeah
1: yeah she also can, can we get her on the pod um possibly possibly she's Ooh. i think she's an america but that doesn't bar people from being on the pod so no you know She'd she, she done all sorts of different things in her life. She was really, in, I mean, chatting in between kind of other things. But, yeah. And um, she also, on that walk, I also talk about the King's Cross fire. Um, mm-hmm. And since I've been doing the walk, I've met lots of people who said, oh, yeah, I was here 10 minutes before. I was here. I would have been here if I hadn't stopped to brush my teeth or all those kind of near-miss stories. Mm. And she said, she she was working the Scala cinema at that point in King's Cross so she was going into work and um, she was going to get off a train the doors opened the platform is full of smoke. She froze and just thought I'm not I'm not doing that but didn't yeah. not sort of you know not a conscious decision but just like a reactive thing. Two guys pushed past her and went off onto the platform and then the doors shut again and the train went off and who knows who knows what happened? to those two guys.
0: Oof. Why would you do
1: that? So. And yeah, she said like clearly this is not right. This this is not a thing you should walk into. Yeah.
0: It's such a London thing, isn't it? Um I have to get to work no matter what. Um uh, come hello high water. I'm getting on. off that bloody train even if it's on yeah, fire. Yeah. yeah. But also actually
1: wow. it might be a thing that you're engrossed in a book or a newspaper or whatever and then you see your stop and you kind of automatically get off without really looking. That's that's Maybe. possible as well. I think. Mm.
0: So, well, petition to get her on the uh, on the podcast. I'll okay, fabulous.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I <clears throat> I missed my stop on the on the tube the other day. I was with a, a in a carriage full of primary school kids. And they were going to the Tower of London. Oh, that's the worst. And they were like a couple of stops before they started getting ready. So the teachers were going, now, have you got your hat? Have you got your bag? Or put your bag on, put your hat. You go, two more stops, Tower of Hill, Tower of Hill. And I was so engrossed in this exciting thing. I, I looked up and the doors were shutting on Monument. And I went, oh, no.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God. And another, another stop with a
0: group of primary school kids. Blimey. Yeah, you're, yes. you're brave. They were very oh, sweet and well behaved. Oh, that's good. There we are. That's there we go. yes, amazing. I oh, had yeah, no no idea about any of that. Um, that's really fascinating. I love this idea of the, you know, these buses with a sort of Tetley tea, um, advert on the side, tootling over yeah, into,
1: Bovril, into things a probably in
0: Northern France or something. Goodness me, um, and that that bus house cemetery. That is what well, uh, it's ingenious, absolutely ingenious. Yeah, I love it. There's nothing left of. I assume that that bus. Or that cafe I think the anymore. bus
1: the bus is gone. The cafe, I don't know. I uh, don't know. But the bus has gone. But yeah, the cemetery. Well, if anyone knows, because
0: I know we do have uh listeners in Belgium. Um because one of them's done a tour with me. Ah. So uh-huh. there we go. Um, fabulous. Right, well, um, I think that's it for this week. Is there anything else we need to say before I don't
1: we think depart? so? Oh, oh, um yes, Kevin, I haven't replied to you either yet. Kevin just sent to me a mail the other day. Um I'm not gonna say any more about that (laughs) right okay Kevin, thank you lovely
0: okay we'll respond very shortly Um, amazing well so that's it for this week thanks all for coming along and we will see you next week for our final episode of the year next fortnight next fortnight Fortnight. Fortnight. well done (laughs) we will be going back to weekly after the new year so um, uh, I'm I'm, I'm getting back to to full strength Fiona's now in a house lives are a bit more settled and we're going to be coming back weekly in the new year You've got that to look forward to. Hurrah! I'm looking forward to it. I mean. um, so, there you go. Have a wonderful couple of weeks, and we'll be back next week with our Christmas episode with a special guest as well. Yay! So, we'll see you then. Bye! Have a great one, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.